Today is October 1st, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chistokom, Aki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. In my Satu Dene language, it's Dekotes Nogotine Siku. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hare people, as in H-A-R-E. <laughs> I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation as a visitor to this area of Klinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights, Indigenous Two-Spirit, for the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey as I go. As a Dene woman who attempted to run and join harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel those to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue reports to advocate for and attempt to work in these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for the so-called country named Canada. I hope that you see your role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never be one month. It's important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. And now we get more religions using their religion as an oppressive tool. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important that land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage everyone to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how you are to be around, how safe you are. Because if you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nation's name, you won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation. I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, 
show me that you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Winte's book, Unreconciled, explains it perfectly, as do so many other Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism. But that would be a part of the oppression dynamics, understanding treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the uh, Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. So I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed US-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, north of the border are the Siksika, Kainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, the signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the, the Good Stoney, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stoney, and then the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nations, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support Settler Saturday. <laughs> thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Unless your comment is, oh my God, I have so much to learn. Or, oh my God, I have so much to think about. That's you should that that's you know I I don't appreciate that because that means you're not acting on reconciliation that means you're going oh my god my white fragility just took over so anyway you can send in your other comments or your other questions there and also you can give a review whatever medium you're listening from I have a YouTube social media or a YouTube channel that you can watch some of these that's a new thing from the pandemic. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, I'd love for folks to subscribe and you can always go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast and pin posts on social media. Although I quit doing that because it wasn't serving me, but I was doing a whole lot of work for nothing. Let me tell you, you'd be shocked at how many people follow me on my social media that says Native Calgarian podcast and they go, oh my God, I had no idea you had a podcast. <laughs> hey. So um, I haven't had, had an opportunity to do a podcast since the counter protest. So for folks who didn't know in Calgary, there was, well, there was nationally hate rallies all across the country. And obviously the RCMP and the police thought it was bang on fantastic. So they did absolutely nothing to prevent any of them. Uh, here in Calgary, we got international uh, press because we had little kids take the mic and say some awful deplorable things about folks that aren't straight and cis and uh, I can tell you what it was like I uh, had the attitude I'm just going to take my lawn chair and my cooler and set up for the day while my daughter was in school and just watch the madness ensue so that's what I did and uh, while I was there I had uh, little kids there was about a dozen of them and uh, yep, they just stood there with the middle finger out telling us all we were pieces of crap, uh, pedophiles, and their parents, of course, perpetuating the same thing. Uh, again, that made international news, but I can tell you, I am straight, I am cis, and to have that happen to you for five hours straight, it was uh, one of the first protests that I've gone to that we legitimately had safety protocols for where if you were part of the 2SLGBTQ 
community, you made sure you walked in pairs minimum because it was not safe. Uh, so what happened was the first part of the day, it was us across the street from each other. And then they were going to do a march. I can't remember if it was like 11 or noon or something. So they went for a march and some of us stayed and some of their people stayed too. And uh, they went for a long march, uh, which the police knew and anticipated and walked with them. And then our people were told to stay on the opposite side of the street from them, wherever they marched. And I don't really know how that went because I didn't march. I just, you know, was sitting in my chair. That was good enough for me. And then when they all came back, the rally got bigger. And then there was a second time they decided to go. I found out later that Mayor uh, Jody Gondot had her car swarmed at one point in time in the first March. And um, the second March, I heard, overheard them say, let's go show our mayor who's boss, you know, those types of like just horrible, horrible talking points and just hate, hate coming from them. And, you know, it's interesting to me because I know that the Calgary police had uh, folks on both sides. So there was a line on one side, a line on the other, and they all had their body cams. And I have yet to hear a hate charge come out of any of it. Um, I had folks all across the country when they seen some of my social media about it, say things like, oh, um, you know, we should apprehend those children. When the video went out of the uh, um, organizer giving the mic to the kids and the kids saying things like, uh, you know, you are all disgusting, that went international. And I seen lots of people calling for the apprehension of those kids. And I, I just kind of help, can't, can't help but think, you know, all of those years that we worked really hard to build relationships with the Muslim community, especially when they were targeted by Stephen Harper, and now the very folks that would have happily targeted, targeted them, kicked them out of the country, are the folks now uh, that they're teaming up with to hate the 2SLGBTQ community. So I just, it was really hard. I seen the NDP on our side, a uh, few of the um, past candidates, a couple of the elected officials, and uh, it was nice to see them there. But again, they had an opportunity for the four years that they were in um, office and they chose not to do more on hate crimes, et cetera. Now we're in this awful, awful mess of a rise of fascism, rise of anti-2SLGBTQ uh, community. So, so much so that uh, I had a sacred fire on Monday for a friend of mine who identifies as Two-Spirit and they were saying that this was the most unsafe they've ever felt in their, you know, 30 years of existence or whichever. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have the right to say when has been a safer time. I mean, I remember going to Boys Town and feeling pretty confident if we didn't get gay bashed we would have um, a bomb go off or something because it was that gross then but now we have all these folks that are here and joining alliances just to hate a gender diverse community so it feels really bad it feels really gross I highly don't recommend it zero out of ten but at the end of the day we have to do this so um Inglewood has been having hate rallies for a long, long time. Uh, you know, it starts off as yellow vesters, then anti-COVID and F Trudeau and all of these things. So um, uh, the trans community was being targeted and doxxed by folks there. And it was really important that 
they start feeling safe. So there's a group that's on Facebook to counter protest that and to really, it's almost like uh, in Edmonton, they have a, a pride corner and it's kind of going to, we're going to attempt to replicate something like that here in Inglewood. And those are on Thursday afternoons. If you have an opportunity to join us, uh, we would really love to, that support. So um, yeah, really disappointed. There's been no hate charges whatsoever from the uh, hate rally that happened here. And, you know, our counter protests happened as well. We had a person fall and hurt their knee. So we did end up having an ambulance on our side at one point. And uh, I missed that whole thing. Unfortunately, I must've went to the washroom or something, but the, um, yeah, it was not fun. Highly don't recommend it. if it hit me that hard. I can't imagine how hard it's been on the community. Although I have heard, you know, people tell me how unsafe they feel. So great. So that's happening. Um, last week was also the Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, kind of week leading up to the National Day. And, you know, I, I'm still surprised how far we have to come as a country on this because, um, you know, at the end of the day, people don't know anything about us. Um, in my last podcast, I've been talking about how hard it's been dealing with family members and their casual racism. And I'll tell you, that has not changed one tiny bit because, you know, anti-Indigenous bias is my own family regularly having me tell them I do anti-racism training, Indigenous education, and them still not understanding what it is I do. I can't make it much clearer than that. Like, I don't know how to put those dots together. So they, I, I regularly get asked, what is it that you do, right? Because me being a stay-at-home mom is not good enough because I'm a Native woman. And then, you know, but I'm supposed to encourage my other family members who do it, right? So, which is insane to me. I don't understand why there's this incredible double standard, but this is where we're at. So, and then the other part was, how often do I have to explain this to my own family, what it is I do for them to understand what, you know, Indigenous education and anti-racism training actually is and how there needs to be like time and effort put towards that. But that's where we're at. So I spoke at one of the oil companies, they wanted to have a talk about truth and reconciliation. Um, you know, and they had a township and range map right up behind me with all the pipe rollings across Western Canada. So, you know, I talked about what it was like being in geomatics and there not ever being any acknowledgement of treaty rights or treaty recognition. So talked a little bit about that and, um, you know, just what, what Sunday actually is. There are people who think it's a celebration, um, which is disappointing because at the end of the day, like we're talking about, you know, tens of thousands of children that died and then hundreds of thousands of families that were negatively impacted by Indian residential schools. And so like I had to challenge somebody and say, well, we have Remembrance Day. That doesn't mean we can't have Canada Day. You know, like the, there's more than one thing that we can do because I had shown them, um, you know, some videos of me saying what anti-Indigenous bias is and that uh, June is kind of our month to shine. And they were confused because they thought, they thought Saturday, September 30th is us celebrating. And I just like, I, I, it's like when I'm wearing an MMIW, like a set of earrings or ribbon skirt 
and people are like oh my god that's so pretty I, I just can't believe how beautiful it is and it's like it's literally to symbolize the thousands of indigenous women that fucking die so that you can be a proud canadian so you know it, it's really hard to just t- try to engage with uh, non-indigenous people when they clearly have no idea that about indigenous people like my own family member using outdated terms like aboriginal and um not seeing it as a them issue not just because they're part native but also because they just don't care they don't care about racism reconciliation homophobia transphobia they don't care about any of that and uh people saying things to me like well sometimes those natives just go too far it's like, what does going too far even mean to you? Does that mean like we can't have equity? Because that's what I hear when you say that to me. Um, so I guess that's kind of the purpose of the podcast is to talk about the, inc- it's just incredible what people will, are, are proud to say to you even. It's uh, too bad. So I, I also had a little chat with some of the staff at the Calgary Police about Truth and Reconciliation Commission Day. And that was a lot more productive because they actually have some Indigenous officers and an Indigenous team. But again, you know, we talked a bit about the barriers of smudging and having folks understand the gravity of um, us being unable to practice our cultural ways. So I talk a lot. Good evening, Andrew on TikTok. Thank you for chiming in and saying hello. Um, Yeah, so I talked a bit about how hard it is for us to even smudge. Is it our right to smudge? Absolutely. But I think most Indigenous people who um, rent know out of all the fights you want to have with your landlord, smudging is not maybe the hill that you're going to die on. So even when I lived in Lethbridge for five minutes, knowing that the landlord's uh, brother was watching us every minute of every day, you know, I didn't smudge in the house because that wasn't a, a hill I was willing to die on. So I smudged outside. So again, with the sacred fire, that's the purpose of me opening up my backyard because so many Indigenous people don't have access to a sacred fire when you're in an urban setting. So it's kind of my job to teach people what I know and hope that they can replicate that and do that. And in the meantime, you know, try to build a community with those sacred fires. So we had one for the full moon on Friday night, and there was actually a huge group of people that came out for that, which was really lovely. And it was just a wonderful night before the rain came. So, uh, you know, that was, that was nice. And I guess it was, it's considered a deer moon. I was listening to the CBC and they had a Blackfoot um, speaker on there talking and, and his name was in relations to the stars and talking about how uh, this moon is the deer moon where the the deer are running and, uh, you know, start of the hunting season too. So yeah, just a really um, important sacred fire, I think, because it, there's just not enough places for Indigenous com- uh, community to be able to gather. And so on October 4th, I'll be doing the same for my backyard if you're in the area from, I don't know, maybe 4 p.m. till 10 p.m. for folks who... Uh, who can't deal with the folks that are obviously perpetuating violence against some of the folks that I know in my circle. So I, I made a Facebook event that I'm um, co-hosting with Josie and Josie will, will attend as well in the hopes that uh, folks who have been harmed by the recent actions, they have a place to go because 
I, I'm not going to support the board the way they've been treating the Indigenous women. And, uh, you know, but that said, if you are from Calgary, you know, it's very important to support Stephanie English and the English family. There's going to be um, a group leaving from Bagani. Stephanie English and her mom, Patsy, will be leaving from Bagani. I think the Calgary police are going to escort them up to the into the city for October 4th. Um, their son, Leroy, is going to be leaving Edmonton as well and walking down to um, to the area. And I heard that there's going to be a West and an East uh, contingent as well. And everybody meets up for the downtown event. But I will not be at that event. Um, I changed my even my LinkedIn um, from the MMIW co-chair ending in April because that was when the switch and changes in the board happened and our memberships were rejected. So, you know, and the elders never did approach me. So it it's sad for folks who um, want to know more about that. We've been talking about it on the Reclaim Awaton Facebook page. So uh, I have, I meant to put up another fundraiser this week, but my daughter got sick. So I just was unable to, it's just too much. And um, so I'm hoping that tomorrow I'll be able to put up uh, an, another fundraiser on Reclaim Awaton in the hopes that we can raise enough funds to, uh, hopefully make some changes and hold this Societies Act accountable for rejecting memberships for folks who have been longstanding committed to this organization. So yeah, so that's where that's standing right now. Um, anyway, uh, back to the conversation about smudge. I was really trying to emphasize to many folks how where our ways of being, of smudging, having sacred fire, just isn't really available to us still, that we can't just go into any building and light a smudge. And it was uh, mentioned to me that even organizations that I've been working with try to have that smudge within these institutions, they still aren't following it and need like 24 hours notice before you can smudge, which defeats the purpose, especially in the Calgary police, where you have you know victims who want to tell their story they need to have access to smudge. There's not a, but you need 24 hours notice for this kind of thing. Like it should always be available 24 seven. So I'm gonna have to talk to them a bit about that because that's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, it's still not there. So I'm just saying this is really important for folks who have followed the national inquiry, for folks who've read the 94 calls to action. Like if women, indigenous women still can't talk about their sexual assault, and not have access to smudge and not have culturally appropriate uh, victim services, then what are we doing? We have to do better. We have to do way better than this. And, uh, you know, for a lot of folks, they, they're just unaware of this. And one of the biggest um, problems I ever had with victim services is that it's still from a white lens. It's not culturally appropriate. And uh, it's really unfortunate. I see somebody interacting on my TikTok saying, you know, these are very good points. It's like, well, honestly, my elders have been saying this literally for decades. Um, folks long before me had told the police this and they still weren't acting on it. They still aren't doing it. And there is a need for there to be systemic changes. Wearing an orange shirt is absolutely important. Uh, I was in Costco, Walmart, 
very few folks were wearing orange shirts. But that bigger picture is that orange shirt, it really is performative in the bigger picture of things. We really need systemic changes. So this conversation I'm talking about when it comes to smudging sacred fires, like when I'm talking about systemic changes, this needs to be available to everybody and be allowed to do it and not be a, a battle with landlords when currently it is. And that's a real problem. So we need more folks to be looking at their sports clubs. Why are there mascots that are indigenous? That's not okay. We need to be doing a lot more um, understanding their action, action, action. That's why I have the reconcilia uh, reconciliation action group, right? It has to be that bigger picture of if you're not acting, then you're, you're just being performative. There needs to be systemic changes. There needs to be equity sharing. So there needs to be in, Indigenous staff and the retention rate should be high. And we're not seeing that. I know that because I have my brother still living in my basement. It's been a full year of him trying to find a job. But as soon as they see a tall native walk in the door, all of a sudden the, the position's filled. And, uh, and that's so frustrating. You know, he's doing uh, really good work in the insurance world now, but it's just sad to me that people think, well, you know, there's all these jobs and it's like, no, there are jobs for few, not job for everybody. And for uh, jobs that I used to get when I was a teenager, they bring in temporary former workers for that now, right? And so, so we don't have access to those jobs either. And why anyone can justify to me that program, which I think is just slavery, frankly, because they have no rights, they have no health care, they have nothing. You can't justify it to me anyway. <laughs> People could try, but you can't. And I'll just call you out on it. So anyway, um, so I wish people understood how performative things are. Another thing that happened is we had uh, one of our community members of the Reconciliation Action Group. Her kid got attacked. So if you were following my um, social media at all, you've seen that the um, the group, the Reconciliation Action Group, put out a statement about it. And uh, they're just formulating a second statement because, you know, the school didn't do anything and now is kicking the mom off the school grounds because they can and basically allowing little racists to beat the shit out of little kids and it's okay because you know it's probably their kid that's doing the beating there so everybody's cool with that right but that, that's the state of our school system right now there's never been accountability when it comes to bullying so I'm really frustrated and we've been really busy trying to you know get the right um, media to report on it, trying to get um, people to pay attention to it. And they're not because everybody has their own thing and the algorithms are set to silence indigenous voices, right? So, you know, if, if you are a listener and if you could just go and have a look at Native Calgarian or the Reconciliation Action Group and like and comment on some of those posts that you see, that would really mean a lot because algorithms speak volumes and if you're watching I don't know sports all the time then of course those algorithms are going to start catering to your sports needs instead but I know many indigenous people have talked about this with uh you know their their social media and a lot of non-indigenous still aren't doing that work right they might put on a orange shirt but they don't understand it's still systemic racism that they need to be working on 
they still need to be working on holding their um, politicians and school trustees to account for not creating safer spaces for Indigenous people. Like anyone who heard the radio on September 30th, it's like literally the first time of any Indigenous inclusion. And it should always be Indigenous inclusion, always. So that was really interesting, needless to say. Um, something that was a, that's a little off topic, but not really off topic, is that uh, somebody, so the, this group of uh, brown folks contacted, um, I think actually it was a former member of the Reconciliation Action Group, uh, who's since moved on, uh, contacted me with them or something like that. But basically there's a, a brown uh, group of people who were unaware of the harassment that there is in the military, which I thought was freaking adorable. So I, uh, I told them about my, my time with Sea Cadets and I told them about um, in 92, when that was when they were first instituting human rights. And at the time, because I was, you know, raised violent and sexist and racist and transphobic and misogynistic. At the time, I thought it was great. Oh, we were having a great time. And I, I uh, didn't understand when my officer was being charged with assault for one, you know, helping another cadet in, in some of the um, things that we were doing. I didn't understand. And I was, I was even like looking down at this cadet who charged our officer but, uh, you know, in retrospect, as I get older and grow, grow up and unlearn racism and unlearn sexism and misogyny, homophobia and transphobia, I would tell my husband and my daughter some of the stories and they would look at me like I was a Martian on <laughs> another planet that came down and explained something and made no sense. And ironically, this is the worst part. I was reading in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, so like, I, I know a lot of you have like read this small little book that has the 94 calls to action go to me. Oh my God, Michelle, I still read the 94 calls to action. And I'm like, yeah, right. Cause I like literally had to spend what, two years doing all the volumes of TRC throughout my book club. So yeah, yeah, sure you read it. So anyway, and the actual volumes, um, the part where they were talking about sports and I, I uncovered this during the Olympics. They talked about how they used the Boy Scouts, the Girl Guides and the cadet programs to really, you know, teach colonialism to the natives. And I was like, fuck, I fit right in there. And I got it and I understood it because I came from a really brainwashed world. And um, don't get me wrong, I love cadets, but in retrospect, like I would never let my daughter take off for six, six weeks without me. Um, at that time, you have to understand 92 was when we didn't have like national um, phone lines for $20 um, for the country. It was expensive for me to call home. So by the end of my six weeks, when I was trying to call home collect, they, they were starting to reject my phone call because you know, I was homesick and I was lonely and, uh, and there wasn't a way to really connect with family at that time. So obviously in retrospect, I don't know um, if I, well, I, I could never send my daughter there, but anyway, and I see the alumni to this day mistreat the younger cadets like, ah, oh, you're not very tough. You, you young kids have it so easy. And it's like, yeah, 
because kids are supposed to have fun. Why don't you let the kids have fun? So I don't know. It, it was interesting going up there and talking to them. But um, when I came out, somebody had egged my car. And uh, so I took pictures and I sent it to them. And I said, I don't know if it's because we were discussing, you know, harassment in the military. And uh, security said, well, no, because we have construction and everybody's parking in different places. The locals don't like where we're parking. So that's why they egged it. But I had a look, a huge block in line, but it was only my vehicle with the feather, the native woman in an orange shirt who got out was only my vehicle that got egged. So it's like, uh uh-huh. But you know, that's, that's Canada where it's like, you know, there's 20 vehicles, only one got hit. And the only one that got hit happened to have a native woman come out of it. So I don't know. So I told my, this story to another friend of mine and they told me when they were um, a teacher, they had a, a medicine wheel hanging in their car and uh, they kept getting their tires slashed. And as soon as they took it out, then the tires quit being slashed. So it's just another example to me where it's like, it's clear what the problem is, but Canada's like, what problem? I'm sure it wasn't because you're native. No, let me f- try to think of anything other than that. I'll try to do 20 backflips to find out how it's not because you're native. And that's Canada. Just deny, 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 right? So God, it's so annoying. So that happened. But when I, so I, I had a very short window to leave Edmonton and get to Calgary for the, for a teaching at the drop-in center. And it was just freaking pouring buckets from Edmonton to Pinoca, which I guess was good in the sense that it helped clean the egg off my car. So anyway, then I had to talk to the Liberal Party staff and talk about what, uh, you know, September 30th is to us. But I don't know, I'm probably the only person in the world who is really proud of the Liberal Party for, you know, making September 30th a holiday. Am I disappointed with how the rest of the country treats it? Absolutely. But at least they did it. That That's one of the calls to action. It's what our elders wanted. So that's what they did. So I told them, you know, I'm really proud of them for working on systemic racism. And I've never met anyone in our party, whether it's an MP, the prime minister, a staffer, we all agree that we still have so much work to do. My hope is that we can get enough work done that this that these systemic racist changes can can be like can be kept because my biggest worry and I see it on all the social media even the progressives are like fuck Justin Trudeau because I'm a big baby and I'm not getting all of my way and it's like literally there's no other party willing to work with natives at all at all at all at all if you look at their stupid policies They don't care that natives don't have drinking water. They don't care that there's people dying in landfills. They don't care. So it's just such a piss off hearing our own people be like, well, I don't like Justin Trudeau because he's on the And it's like, come on, you guys, literally the only party willing to work with us. And again, I praise our party for having the Indigenous Peoples Commission because it's the only one that listens to Indigenous people and, and allows indigenous policy to be directed with indigenous people so it's so frustrating my god um my friend andrew on tiktok says it was a beautiful ceremony on parliament hill um i seen a few pictures from across the country about the marches that they had for september 30th and uh 
I bet you Ottawa was nice. The biggest one I seen was Winnipeg. Winnipeg totally knocked it out of the ballpark, it looked like. So that's good. You're making me want to run for office. Oh, let me tell you this, Andrew. I am the first person to want you to run. But here's the thing. As someone who has ran, and I've said this in many of my podcasts, people will tell you you should run. And when anybody says that to you, ask them, are you willing to donate? Are you willing to volunteer? Are you willing to vote for me? Are you willing to endorse me? Because it's easy for me to say, Andrew, will you please run for us? Because I want you to run. And I mean, I really do. But as somebody who has ran and heard those words from people, it killed me when I ran and they didn't show up. So I didn't have them volunteer. They didn't donate. They didn't endorse me. Right? Like when people ask you, like ask them back right away, how much are you willing to donate to my campaign? How many hours are you willing to do it? Because that, that stuff matters. So, um, I know you're asking if you can jump in for a minute, but the only problem I have with that is that I'm not savvy enough to figure this out because I am doing a TikTok right now and it is live and on TikTok it's live, but on my podcast, it won't be, it'll be edited tomorrow. So otherwise I'd try to figure out how to put us together. My biggest thing that I'm watching on my live TikTok right now to make sure I don't bring in some of those off awful trolls because as soon as my, the trolls come in I'll have to shut down the TikTok because they're just I don't know how to manage that right now um it's a lot right because I was saying to uh folks in one of my teachings that you know it, there's no infrastructure for me right I I have to learn on the fly with all of these apps and such um and if I were to get funding from an organization, then I know I have to follow their parameters. And I think if we're going to be honest about reconciliation, we have to be truthful. And a lot of these uh, parameters for monies are really, you know, making sure you don't put down a government, you don't put down people. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, we can't have reconciliation without truth. And if you're talking about predominantly white institutions that don't know, like, for example, on TikTok, I, I see lots of my Indigenous friends regularly get their stuff reported and there's just doesn't seem to be a really good mechanism for them, right? So my goodness. So anyway, it is great to see people chime in. Thank you, Andrew, for understanding. And um, and I'm glad to I'm glad you heard me about what I had to say about running. There's a lot of validity to the things you say. How sad it is that we are grateful. Yeah, yeah, I know. I am. Um, I wish more people understood reconciliation and not just the performative stuff for sure. So anyway, I went to the drop-in center and did an hour-long chat there as well. God, an hour goes by so quick. I brought just a couple of the volumes of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Uh, a couple of folks cried and laughed. And it's like, it just sucks because it's like all I'm doing is telling a person my day-to-day -day interaction and what it's like to get your, your car egged and, and having to deal with like, this particular September 30th, I lost my granny and I lost my grandpa. And, um, you know, I'm dealing with my, my mom's health issues now and trying to figure out where, what the next steps look like for her, because her job was to look after my granny. And my uncle now is like, so what's plan B? 
and uh, she's having those really extreme diabetic reactions. So I don't know, I'm just trying to juggle all of that and get my daughter to see her before she passes from all of the stupid diabetic crap. Because the bigger picture is it's not the diabetes. It's the fact that nurses, the doctors, they don't get it. They don't get that some Indigenous women like my mom have absolutely no way to advocate for themselves. Like both my daughter and I are like, I need to be in that room for the doctor's appointments so that we can ask questions and try to find some answers because she doesn't have that in her. It's not, she was beaten by the Catholic church. She comes from domestic violence too. Like there's, there's so much there. And I, I just don't think the nurses and doctors get it. So she can't advocate for herself the way I would want her to anyway. Um, <laughs> so I did a TikTok, which was kind of funny to show folks here in the city of Calgary, obviously, I think land acknowledgements are really important. And my favorite sage picking spot, they put up a land acknowledgement right over top of the sage. So it's completely run over, completely unusable this year. And I'm hoping for sure it'll grow back. But I highly doubt it because it looks like the city is just doing construction right there. So it's just like, oh, if you could not get like reconciliation right, you do all of the things um I don't agree I feel that we have to think about the big picture and not just our own safety our future depends on this mm. I don't know what you mean there uh Miss Jessie May but uh you know you could not just dis you can disagree with me all you want there's obviously this is live on TikTok I normally have had a podcast for years um you're obviously not one of my listeners so I'm sorry to hear that um you know, that you don't agree. Um, it is what it is. These are things that, uh, you know, I just tell people, if you don't like what I have to say, you don't have to listen. Because, yeah, it's, it is what it is. You know, oh, I think there's a misunderstanding about, I think there's convert, this is why I shouldn't be paying attention to conversations on TikTok, because now I'm distracted from the podcast, but that's okay. So I will, I'll just quit reading the, the things, but I just, I do get concerned about people arguing a little on my, on my comments. I just block everybody because I, I just don't want to see conflict like that. There's, there's a problem with uh, us having safe spaces to chat. And I also don't want to stop a, a productive chat either, but uh, I just can't monitor it always. So um Anyway, I thought the sage picking thing was pretty funny with the stupid city because it's just like another example of it. I went over to my friend um, Heather Morajos to see um, if there was some sage in the in the medicine wheel garden that she had. There wasn't. It was all picked over as well. So I got I just got to plant my own and uh, and get it growing in my own area. That's what I got to do. So anyway, um, so today's October 1st. I have the sisters in spirit vigil coming up on October 4th uh, in my backyard if you want to come to my backyard just send me a message and, and I'll get you the um, address and you can come over if you already haven't and, and you're interested but uh, there's also going to be a vigil for Asani and Tammy Crazy Bull uh, that's going to be at the Marlboro Sea train station where the Calgary police uh, killed Sonny. Um 
we also have our Justice for Jackie walk that we'll be doing. I shared the poster for that and the event. So if you want to join us for that. Um, and there was an announcement from Colton Crowshoes family. I have yet to hear what that outcome was. So I'm uh, hoping that some something positive came from that. But I could tell by what I'd seen written that it was much of a shock. So lots of... Um, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit activities in October. Unfortunately, um, uh, my heart and soul are still with the folks in Winnipeg at Camp Morgan and Camp Mercedes. You know, search the landfill, something that's relevant here in Calgary because we have Joey English and ours. And, uh, you know, I know Tanya Nipponak is in Winnipeg's landfill as well. Her family knows that and uh, it breaks their heart as well. So um, the rag waffle was to end on Saturday. So we'll see how that went. I haven't heard an update. We've been very busy with the attack on one of our members' ch children at the uh, Cochrane School. So that's been our, our main priority at the Reconciliation Action Group. So uh, kind of back to that bigger picture of September 30th. For folks who are still wondering what to do, if you don't have a reconciliation action group in your city, which I know you don't, there's only one in Calgary, um, you can join a reconciliation committee. You can do that work together of, um, you know, creating reconciliation because there's a school mascot somewhere that needs to change. There's a school name that somewhere that needs to change. There's policing protocols that need to change. There's law societies of every province and territory that needs to change. There is absolutely so much work to do. Wearing an orange t-shirt and eating a trauma donut from Tim Hortons is not, not it, folks. It's just performative, right? So we need folks working on their anti-racism uh, training, their oppression dynamics training. We need folks who come from equity-seeking groups to be working on their healing journey and uh, understanding internalized racism, internalized homophobia, transphobia, and working forward in order to help the younglings that are coming up, our little queerlings, um, you know, they need direction and they need healthy adults in their world. So I'm begging of you to do that work. And um, yeah, if there was one message that I seen, especially like family members that I choose not to be around, they're just so committed to bending over backwards to find a reason for it not to be racist. And that's just not helping anybody. It's just not. So there's a question in my TikToks. Do a lot of women support LGBTQ than men? So first of all, if I don't see two, um, oh, intention to SL, thank you, sick of your ish. Because um, from my point of view, if you don't include the two S, one, you're not doing anything for reconciliation or treaty partnership, right? So you got to start by including the two S in your acronym because it acknowledges kind of earlier in my podcast when I talked about how the straight agenda was imposed, Two-Spirit were literally always here, always. Um, so it's really important to always include the two S. When it comes to women supporting like I think that there's a lack of understanding of what gendered violence is. And it's not just transphobia and homophobia, but it's also misogyny, right? So, and I mean, some women are really bad at that too. And I mean, I was one of them in my, when I was 18. 
Uh, I won't talk about it anymore to avoid conflict. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, why so fragile? No, it's true, though. Like, um, people say they want to avoid conflict, but you have to understand that we live under the Indian Act, so we are always in conflict. So until, um, you know, systemic racism changes, there's always going to be that conflict. And that's why you either get to choose to be an ally or you choose to be a part of the problem, right? So um, don't avoid it. Just like uh, our friends are saying it, you know, don't avoid it. And uh, for folks who may not know what sea lioning is, I think it's really important to talk about what sea lioning is. So um, rather than engaging with somebody who's committed to not knowing not knowing the answers, who's committed to dancing around it, just don't engage with them because they are trying to waste your time. And uh, it's important to recognize that, that not everybody comes into these conversations with the intention to learn. They really come in with the intention to not do nothing and be a part of the problem. So um, look up sea lioning and then you would see that, you know, it, it's an issue. And uh, that's part of the reason why I hesitate to go live on TikTok while doing a podcast, but I think it's important to talk about it because I think one of the questions I always get from elders is literally uh, social media 101s, things like this. <laughs> right now I'm missing a friend's birthday. Um, they're a drag queen at uh, Dickens Pub right now and it's their birthday and I just wanna wish Carla a happy birthday. They are amazing people. I wish I had more time and energy for a million things, but unfortunately <laughs> that's where we're at so our last podcast was the 113 pathways to justice it was uh the alberta government's look at the missing and murdered indigenous women girls and two-spirit national inquiry i think it's really important that people read that especially if you're in alberta and hold your mlas to it so i hope you enjoyed that um October 9th is Cree Lawyers, uh, Harold Johnston's book, Peace and Good Order, The Case for Indigenous Justice. Then on November 13th, we do the uh, guide on the implementation of a national action plan on violence against women and gender-based violence, which is a white woman's washed um, look at the national inquiry. You know, take out all the racism, I'm sure, which is disappointing, but whatever, we'll read it anyway. December 11th, Making Space for Indigenous Feminism, edited by Joyce Green. And then in January, we'll be doing uh, Sean Carlton's book on, on Indian residential schools. So I think that's a really important book for us to read. So I hope if folks join that, join a reconciliation committee. If you're in Calgary, please join the action group. I'm really proud that this podcast has given solutions, including cultural safety training, excuse me, or cultural first aid, to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and uh, 2SLGBTQ to speak. I want to say thank you to Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca about what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work and those cultural action tools are available, so please support Indigenous work like that as a part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat it here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and equity-seeking 
uh, folks experienced by the structure of oppression imposed on these lands. If you go to racialequitytools.org, there are tons of resource files. Uh, what is Internalized Racism by Donna Bevins is a wonderful piece to kind of unlearn a lot of those things that uh, people internalize and then project on other Indigenous folks um, or other equity-seeking groups for that matter. And if you have an opportunity to give a donation, please do. Uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So if you go to AFS, AFSC.org, there's a do's and don'ts for bystander intervention, which I highly recommend. Um, I was just telling folks that I can't wear a ribbon skirt on the C train because every time I do, I get hassled by somebody because the rest of Calgary refuses to do bystander intervention. So I get to constantly be harassed while everybody just silently looks at their phones and pretends like that's not happening because what were we taught don't get involved and when it's natives they don't give a shit anyway i wish anybody that follows me on social media would also watch the anti-racism organizational lead for the city of calgary giving an internal committee presentation on the journey of becoming an anti-racism leader so I have shared that YouTube uh, link a few times. If, uh, you know, if you get a chance, just Google becoming an anti-racism leader, city of Calgary, you would find it. So uh, some exciting news that um, I've been sharing the Calgary Black Lives Matter activists, Taylor McNally and Adora Newfer being legally targeted. Well, there's a new organization called Stop the Stack that I've shared and my hope is that people will follow that and learn why it is that they are being targeted. They are trying to do that education. So that um, social media account is really important. And I think it's really wrong that Taylor and Adora have to advocate for themselves while they are facing legal persecution. I, I just don't understand why there's not more people out in the streets demanding more uh, because this is not okay. Anyway, Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions, public hearings this week with groups of people, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians in their, in their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs, services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for immigrants, migrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively um, impacts indigenous people, marginalized people, equity seeking groups, demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry, Provincially, we have the 113 Pathways to Justice, uh, the new Premier's account, um, or council, I, as far as I know, has not even met. Municipally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. Denying all these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. 
you can actually Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies. Uh, Stephanie Harp and I did an emergency podcast in the hopes that our allies would write and do more on the housing crisis that we are facing. I did a whole podcast on the housing crisis. If you're interested in learning more about it from an Indigenous point of view, um, we had sent letters to the city council after they ripped the doors off of the city uh, bus shelters when it was minus 40. And uh, with the statement from womenshomelessness.ca, demand an urgent action to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit and gender-diverse people experiencing homelessness. And I got zero feedback from that. So thanks, folks, for, for not doing anything and allowing the city to perpetuate harm against Indigenous people with amputation and freezing to death. That, that's really appreciated. And now it's almost a year later, so you kind of have some time to step up to this. Um, Obviously, we are still dealing with a drug crisis and uh, not seeing anybody step up to do enough on that one on cultural supports. So it is important that if you or someone you know is using, please don't use alone. If you are using alone, contact the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS for support. Download the Brave or Doors app. There's also a Lifeguard app to help folks who are, are using and are using alone, creating a better plan in the hopes that you don't die because we do not want you to die. Um, if you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything I talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. <clears throat> it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go to hopeforwellness.ca. And if it's more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit, you can go to 844-413-6649. It is a national 24-7 uh, crisis call line for anybody who needs emotional assistance on that subject. Uh, the 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta is ssisa.ca. By the way, I'm sure you have seen me share a poster for a 60 scoop march here in Calgary. So I hope that you will attend that as well. Indian Residential School Survivor and Family Hotline, 866-925-4419. The Native Youth Crisis Hotline is 877-209-1266. For non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area, usually a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566 or you can text at 45645. And if you go to crisisservicescanada.ca, you can find even more resources for you. Uh, Kids Help Phone, 1-800-668-6868. Uh, the following are more two SLGBTQ crisis supports that are available in most areas in Canada. You can go to lifevoice.ca for a ton of different crisis supports. Uh, the Trans Lifeline in Canada is 877-330-6366. Uh, thank you to the Trevor Project for creating the um, LGBTQ Youth Line at 866-844-7386. And I purposely did not include the two because they purposely did not include the two, which says to me, you've got to be careful because that means they haven't done their anti-racism training. So always be careful when you see the acronym without the two S. Violence is my everyday reality. Every indigenous generation has faced it. 
this is self-care, how I take my power back. It's why I started the podcast because we don't have proper um, media representation on daily Indigenous issues. A lot of it is still um, done with the lens and the funding from other government oppressors, frankly. So I just speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership, shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs, <laughs> my people who know nothing about Indigenous colonialism, constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. I and many others share info on racism daily, so it's just unacceptable anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping that survive off the status quo. Folks who are so in their trauma, they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me and for other people of color, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC and others. I wanna say Masi Cho to my ancestors, to my granny up in heaven, uh, thank you. To my mom who's still here, what strength looks like through her example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots, and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her I'm a second generation Calgarian. I want to say thank you to my husband um, for producing and editing the show, on top of being my childhood friend, father of our child, and my support down the journey of the Red Road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And, you know, I wish I could tell you all enough, just as I've been telling you how casual a lot of, you know, family have been with racism towards me. He has absolutely supported me through that and has said, you know, if they can't accept you, <laughs> they can't accept all of us. And it's been really wonderful, but it's sad that people would rather not have us in their life than deal with racism. So that is the, my reality though. And so to our child, we are blessed to learn from you daily and we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is that my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand. And it's funny because it's back to that. I don't understand what it is you do. I know they've never heard me say, say that one line even one time. So just know if you start a podcast, your own family and friends won't necessarily support you. But to all of the folks who do listen, I want you to know your comments mean the world to me. I've been getting some really kind words from a lot of you, some extra donations. So I say thank you to those folks. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening and watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the podcasts. And, you know, I do uh, teachings on there as well. So I made up a whole um, hour and 45 minute video for folks. So yeah, I, it may not be me, but at least there's still an option. And if you're native, it's free. So just contact me. Excuse me. So thank you folks for all of the donations. Just want you to know I appreciate it. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, are you being my dish? 
Thanks folks for listening and for interacting with me here on TikTok today.